If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, I am back from the Capitol Wrestling Center. My thoughts on TakeOver War Games, the future of The Undertaker, and comedian 38-year-old Jamie Kilstein is here to explain why now he's decided to become a professional wrestler. I kid you not, this is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Did that intro sound especially professional? Like the voice of somebody that anchors NXT kickoff shows or pre-shows? I guess if I was really professional, I would call them pre-shows, not kickoff shows. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. We're a day late this week, but uh, not a buck short. We're here, and I'm glad that uh, you're all here with me. Uh, Of course, fresh back from the Capitol Wrestling Center, where I was able to be a part of the uh, pre-show for NXT TakeOver War Games. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But real quick before we do, uh, I did have a couple of thoughts on Pat Patterson, which I wasn't able to talk about. Uh, well, I wasn't able to talk about last week because the podcast came out before his uh, unfortunate passing. But, uh, you know, I had this week's episode of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network this coming week or, or this this week, the one that's coming up on Thursday is going to be all about influence. And influence is a word that you can use to describe Pat Patterson. I uh, I had a few interactions with Pat Patterson um, over the years at WWE shows, and the guy lit up every room that he went into. Everybody loved him. He was smiling. He was enjoying himself. He was just having a good time. I feel blessed that he called me a gimmick on more than one occasion. Um, but I was, it was always good news when, when, when Pat walked in a room and, 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 and he always had interesting things to say about what he was watching. I love, I love listening to good, smart, experienced wrestling brains. And that's exactly what Pat Patterson was. But I think that the influence to me is is his most important contribution, you know? I'm sure that in his heart, he loved being in the ring. But the amount of people that have said things about how much Pat Patterson contributed behind the scenes, that's what tells the story. 
the amount of people who had their first interactions. You know, I was I was I was completely coincidentally. You know, I I, I talked about on the Thursday show, the Patreon exclusive show, how I go back and watch some of these interviews on the WWE Network uh, on a pretty regular basis. And I was watching the uh, I was watching the interview that Stone Cold did with Triple H in 2015 for the WWE Network, the first incarnation of the Stone Cold podcast on the network. And Stone Cold was playing word association with Triple H. And he brought up Pat Patterson. And Triple H kind of stopped in his tracks. And there wasn't one word for Pat Patterson. He just started going on about the uh, about the mind and how, how important... Pat Patterson has always been. And this was this was while Pat was still alive. You know, I was so happy to hear it because you always worry that people won't appreciate a guy like that un until they're gone. And the fact that that he was getting that praise while he was still with us, I think, is so important. And it's such an important thing to do. But I, I mean, I, I read so many posts. I heard so many comments from so many different people about how important Pat Patterson was and about about just just the 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 in, psychology that he added to everything just the little ideas that he would have you know and you you hear stories this is the guy who who came up with the idea for the Royal Rumble match this is the guy who put together the 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 Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match in an era when WWE was not doing that stuff you know, I mean, and and this is a guy who who was active with WWE up until recently. You know, I've only been there four years. You know, for for pay per views and whatnot, and he was there until I don't know. It felt like recently. I mean, you know, granted, I've done you know two shows this year because nobody's been traveling, but I I, I feel like it wasn't wasn't that long ago. But who knows? Who knows the way time flies, um, but I just I, I I just think you can't ignore that when even if 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 you as a fan don't quite know what somebody contributes, when people who you do respect and do know what they contribute give all together, give credit to one person, you've got to realize that this person was something very 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 special. And that's exactly what Pat Patterson was to wrestling. Something very, very, very special. So while we've got a second on the podcast, I did want to say um, rest in peace to somebody so important to pro wrestling, so important to sports entertainment, so important to the, the very fabric of WWE. And that's Pat Patterson. I thought the, the tribute they did to him for him uh, on on NXT on Wednesday's TV show was incredible. That's where they debuted it with the uh, with the Sinatra song. I did it my way. It it, it made me misty. So, um, I would imagine that that a lot of you out there shared a similar experience. So rest in peace um, to Mr. Pat Patterson. Definitely uh, a guy who contributed a ton. And, and you know it's just it's 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 amazing because you hear about so many legends that are kind of stuck in their own heyday, so many legends that that just don't think the new guys have it that their generation was the best generation. 
And that's just not what you hear about Pat Patterson. He's just a guy who liked to continue to evolve and continue to contribute to the business. I mean, this was a guy who loved being down in NXT. I saw him at many takeovers. Loved being down in NXT and 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 helping teach that next generation. So rest in peace to Pat Patterson. I'm sure you would have loved War Games, we, which, you know, I feel like a cornball for making that a segue. But irregardless, um, I did just get back from uh, uh, the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando, Florida. It was my first time, actually. This, this weekend was my first time traveling for WWE uh, since the pandemic. Everything else I've been doing in Stanford and everything in the Stanford studios is within driving distance for me. So it was my, it was my first time back on a plane, uh, I think since, I want to say since TakeOver Portland in February, which it blew my mind thinking about that. The TakeOver Portland was only in February. That was this year. That was 2020. And I was doing that pre-show in front of an arena full of people. A month before that, in 2020, I was at the Royal Rumble in a baseball stadium full of people. I mean, it's just it's just amazing how much has happened in, you know, 10 months. It's, it's insane when you think about it. But I've got to say, first and foremost, um, I was so impressed by the Capitol Wrestling Center and the whole operation, you know. Uh, just what what they've turned that into. I mean, you know, I, I I don't have to tell you that I I as somebody who who kind of I'm not going to say I'm paranoid about uh, COVID and all that stuff, but I definitely pay attention. You know, I definitely don't want to bring it back here. I got two kids. I got my parents that live nearby. My wife has her parents that live nearby. I'm not trying to be a super spreader. You know. So I pay pretty close attention to what I do. I, I try to be as safe as possible, like I think most of us do. Um, and I felt totally, totally comfortable, and everybody was tested, and it was, yeah, it was very, very professional. But um, the Capitol Wrestling Center itself. So all I was thinking about while I was there was the times that I've been in the Performance Center. You know, I, I, I've, I've done a couple of tours of the performance center. I've been there for a few media events doing interviews and, and, and all that stuff. And I've seen the performance center as the performance center. And it is just unbelievable what they've turned it into that it is, it is a warehouse in the middle of Florida and they have turned it into a, a takeover worthy arena. It's it's crazy what they've done. You know, I figured when they first announced War Games that they would probably do it in the Thunderdome. If if for no other reason than they they so they could fit both rings in and so they could do the cage and everything. But they didn't. They did it at the Capitol Wrestling Center and I was like, "Man, well, okay, well, clearly they could fit two rings in there, right? Even with the stage and everything. You keep in mind the Performance Center, when it was just the Performance Center, I think it had something like seven rings in one giant room. So that's the room they're obviously using for this. Um, so you obviously you can fit two rings. I just didn't know if you could comfortably do it with your areas for seating as well as your uh, entrance stage as well as everything else. But they did it, man. And it wasn't I, – I, 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 they, they, they had their seating. It didn't feel cramped at it felt like natural. It felt natural, and and it felt like the room 
did have an energy. It didn't feel like I was at the performance center of old. It felt like a, a, a performance space. The War Games cage, I was looking at it, and it was amazing the way they had it set up. Because usually, you know, they construct the whole cage and they hang it above the ring. The same way they do for a single cage, they just do two of them. But because the, the Capitol Wrestling Center ceilings are not the height of an arena, it was actually four separate pieces, right? So it's each side is a separate piece. All four are not connected in the ceiling. And they're folded up on different sides. So they're actually folded almost like a butterfly was wings, you know, like, like wings. And then they come in and then they go down. And it, it, it was amazing how they figured out how to do it. It was like a Tetris puzzle. The way they came down, the way they came in and then were brought down. And I'm like, who, who thought of that? I mean, I feel like I would sit there going like, well, how many feet is it? Well, how many feet is a cage? All right, can't do it. And somebody's like, well, why don't we just separate the sides and have them fold in? I'd be like, that's a genius. What are you, a physicist? What are you, Neil deGrasse Tyson? How'd you come up with that? It's genius. But they did it, man. And it was really cool to see. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks completely, it looks completely different. And I, I, I hadn't been to full sale uh, the way it was set up, but I have to imagine that this is, this is a lot better. And even better than when it was, uh, the arena that Raw and, and SmackDown were doing stuff in. Like, even when they were before the uh, uh, Superdome, it felt like you were in the Performance Center. Like, there was no disguising it. And now it doesn't. The video screen helps a lot. The giant video screens on the walls, like, it's really cool, man. It is really, really cool. I feel very, very lucky to have gotten the chance to see it. Because, you know, most fans, it's not like you could just buy tickets for it. The few fans that they have in there, I think, you know, you have to know somebody. I, I don't actually know how fans get in there. I guess I didn't ask because I got myself in there, so I feel like I didn't want to complicate things. But it was uh, it was cool. It was very cool to be there. It was very cool to see everything happen. TakeOver itself was uh, incredible. The women's war games match was outrageous. It was outrageous. Io Shirai putting a garbage can over her body and then jumping off the War Games cage, that is going to be a clip that just lasts forever. It's going to be a meme. I, I, I saved the picture of her in a garbage can jumping off a cage because I knew there was going to be something that I could tweet it out with, some kind of caption, something I'm going to text it with. I feel like that's got to go in everybody's favorites folder. Because it was so hilarious to see. And also, cringe-inducing, not in the sense that she shouldn't be doing it, but, like, it seems like it would hurt so much. The women did an outstanding job, though. I thought all the matches were very good. I, 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 between the two War Games matches, I mean, those were clearly the two best matches on the show. Um, I don't know who I would pick for having the better match. I don't know that I would want to pick one for having the better match, to tell you the truth. Um, I thought they did a great job with the strap match telling the story. Um, I was happy that Tommaso Ciampa, even though I said on the pre-show that he's entered a period in his career where he can't stay awake in the ring, I was happy that he stayed awake in the ring and he pinned Timothy Thatcher. I was surprised by that. 
You know, I I, I I think that Timothy Thatcher will will have time to recover from that loss. And I don't know that Champa would have recovered from a loss if he had uh, been hit by one. So I'm glad that he didn't. Uh, and then the Gargano reveal, uh, I thought was I thought was cool. I was glad that we actually got the reveal. You know, when I saw all those scream guys pop up, I was a little worried that it was just going to be more like, oh, there's just infinity scream guys that follow Gargano everywhere. I'm glad that we got Austin Theory as the reveal just because we finally got a reveal. And did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said on the ramp when he was leaving? It was me, Austin. It was me all along. And I was like, who's he talking to? And I was like, oh, wait, he's Austin. He's not saying it was me, Austin. He's saying it was me, Austin. It was me all along. I was like, genius. Yes. There's a comma in there. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. I thought that was very funny. Very funny. And then uh, uh, Pat McAfee did a good job getting himself beaten up in that men's war games match. I So I get uh, very uh, weary, very tired of that expression that guys have, like, Every single big match, it's like a it, 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 you. It, it's like a, a a a demanded spot. Like you have to do it. The guy you beat the guy up. You beat the guy up. You beat the guy up. You hit your finish. You beat him up more. You hit your finish again. You pin him one two kick out, and you're in stunned disbelief. And the commentators go, "Oh, so and so is in disbelief. What does he have to do to put him away?" And it's like every single match, they do that spot. I like that Adam Cole hit the Panama Sunrise, spiked McAfee up. I can't believe, I mean, I'd probably be terrified to take that move. I got to be honest. I would have to be terrified to take that move, but I would probably also be terrified to do a swanton off the top of the cage. I guess me and Pat McAfee are two different people. But when he hit it, and Adam Cole pinned him, one, two, Pat McAfee kicks out. I actually really enjoyed that moment. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good moment because it didn't look like the, it, Adam Cole's face was so good. It didn't look like the traditional, what? What do I have to do to this guy? I just can't beat him. It was a, uh, like it was a surprised look. Like, like not, what do I have to do to this guy? It's, who is this guy? It was this look like, I thought Pat McAfee was a joke. How did he kick out of that? I felt like that look told much more of a story than the same thing we see in every match. I thought so. So I so I like that a lot. I thought it was cool. It, it just felt like a different take on it. Um, and I was kind of surprised that the undisputed era won. I, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of interested to see where they go from there. You know, because. Well, I guess, you know, we saw a teaser for Karrion Cross. So maybe Karrion Cross gets the next championship match against Finn Balor. I really, I really thought, the more I thought about it, and I talked about it on Thursday's podcast, on the Patreon exclusive podcast, which, by the way, anybody wondering why I never talk about AEW on the podcast, obviously you don't subscribe to the Patreon podcast because we broke it down. But we saw the preview for Karrion Cross. Um, 
So maybe he'll be the one that gets the match with Finn Balor next. I, I, I really thought that McAfee's team was going to win and Pete Dunne was going to get the fall. Because I was really hoping that where they were going next was Pete Dunne versus Finn Balor for the NXT championship. And that way, you know, Pat McAfee could still pop up on TV, I don't know, a couple times, to, to, you know, every few weeks and and be a mouthpiece for Pete Dunne. I still think that that's a good idea. You know, I, I, I think Pete Dunne is the, is the X factor in that group. It'll be interesting to see where they go because Pat McAfee obviously lives in Indianapolis. He does his radio show. Um, it seems like he just comes in for storylines that are leading up to the next takeover. It doesn't seem like he's a full-time roster member. So what then becomes of Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan? I thought that if they win, Pat McAfee sticks around, Pete Dunne wins the NXT championship, and now maybe you start to go, oh, I wonder if Pat McAfee's going to go for the North American championship. Maybe they are going to try to get the same uh, uh, accomplishment done that the Undisputed Era did, where they get their group to hold all the titles. You know, I, I, I thought maybe that's where it was going, but I don't know. Maybe they're going to break the group up. Maybe just the three of them will be a group. I I don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, what's his name with the giant quads is coming back? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Triple H mentioned on the on the on the post show media call that there have been conversations with the Undertaker about being a coach at uh, at the at the performance center. Although now that Sting is on AEW, although if the Undertaker showed up on NXT, people would probably be like, "Oh, he's he's old. Why is he on NXT?" Anyway, Sting's on AEW. Um. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I, I, I hope he does. I was thinking about that, man. They're talking about bringing Undertaker in as a trainer. And the Undertaker, from all the interviews that he's done, from the interviews that he's done with me, I mean, it's pretty clear that he's, he loves wrestling, right? He, he still wants to be around it. Uh, and the fact that it drew Shawn Michaels in, you know, Shawn Michaels, people might not remember, but Shawn Michaels was uh, very happy staying at home. He was he was extremely happy just not doing anything. Not that he wasn't doing anything, but you know, like not being in the wrestling world. And NXT dragged him back in, you know, to be a full time coach and everything. I could easily see the Undertaker ending up over there full time. And I mean, can you imagine if the Undertaker could do for Damian Priest? what Shawn Michaels does for Adam Cole. Like, you could totally tell. And I really, like, I re- like in that little facial expression that I talked about, I feel like Shawn Michaels is one of the people that has taken Adam Cole from one of the best in the world to next-level superstar. Like, he's a main eventer or nothing, that guy. I think The Undertaker could do the same thing. And I think that part of that is because Shawn can maybe see elements of himself in Adam Cole. I would think that The Undertaker could maybe see elements uh, of himself inside Damian Priest. Imagine, well, imagine what The Undertaker could do for anybody. I mean, The Undertaker's a wrestling genius. Undertaker's done his 10,000 hours. Undertaker is the man when it comes to this stuff. And then I was realizing, like, do you know what that would mean? 
You see, Undertaker became a trainer at NXT. Do you understand that would mean that the way like uh, Kurt Hawkins and Pat Buck have their own wrestling school? That would mean there is a wrestling school in Florida that is run by Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker. Can you imagine if I told you I'm going to I'm going to a wrestling school? Yeah, it's uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker's wrestling school. That you could argue that that's three out of the four Mount Rushmore right there. That's insane. That that alone is enough to sign up to NXT. If you're a free agent and you're like, oh, NXT doesn't really have any ideas for me, but you know what NXT is? It's a wrestling school that's run by Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker. You think I'm going to sign? Like, sign for two years. Even if all you do in the two years is hang out, you never even make it to TV. You get paid a livable wage to hang out with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and The Undertaker every day. Yeah, I would do it. Yes, fine. No problem. What if it's a not quite so livable wage? That's fine. I'll hang out with them all day. I'll Uber at night. I'll be an Uber driver at night. And then I'll go and and hang out with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H during the day. I'll go to their wrestling school. I mean, it's insane. It's sick. It's absolutely sick. Something that I wanted to mention, though, while we're talking about uh, TakeOver is... Um, you know, as impressive as the Capitol Wrestling Center was, as impressive as it was to see the whole operation and 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 how much is being put into it, and uh, it really is incredible. I think more has to be made. Seeing it in person changed my perspective. More has to be made at what these performers are doing in this era. Like, I can't tell you how difficult it seems to be able to pull off good matches with a limited to non-existent crowd. You know, it, it, it almost seems like you have to figure out what the match is before you go in and then just stick to the plan. Like, and that, that, that's the antithesis of wrestling for a lot of people. Really, the best wrestling, you go out there and you listen to the crowd, see what they like, see what they don't like, and that's the story you tell. You kind of you you kind of follow them, and 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 just do more of what's getting a good reaction and less of what's getting nothing. But you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. There's no reaction to assess. So instead, you just got to stick to the plan and hope, hope that people are reacting the way you think they're reacting. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's a crazy thing to do. I have to imagine that most of the people in those two war games matches, like halfway through, must have been, why why am I doing this? This hurts so bad. I don't even know how your adrenaline could get pumped up like that. I but you watch TV and you watch Takeover and you really can't tell a difference in the performers. The performers are taking it to the next level. And that's why they deserve credit, especially these NXT people that just they go above and beyond somehow. And when you have the crowd guiding you through, this is awesome, telling you, literally expressing to you what they like with chance and, and, and kind of guiding you through it and pumping your adrenaline the whole time, that's one thing. But to go out there when you've got none of that, oh, I can't imagine how difficult it is. So we should definitely, definitely give credit to to the to the men and women of, of NXT for pulling off a show 
over the weekend that like I I just don't see I I don't see how these performers do it. But I guess that's what makes them professionals. That's what makes them good, right? They're professionals, for God's sake. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, insight I could give to you into the uh, Capitol Wrestling Center um, before we uh, 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 before we go on um, into our interview this week. Uh, I guess we'll get into it. So, uh, speaking of wrestling school, uh, my buddy Jamie Kilstein, he's a comedian. He's gone to wrestling school. He's decided at 38 years old, he's going to move to Texas to become a professional wrestler. I don't know if he's under the impression that Texas is the only place that has wrestling schools, but I think I should be the one to probably tell him. There's this one wrestling school with Undertaker, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels as the teachers. You should definitely go to that one. Hey, man, I love stories like this. At 38, he's decided... uh, even though comedy already is kind of a dream job for people whose dream that is, I guess. He's figured out his dream. And he's going to pursue it. At 38 years old, he's going he's gonna to try to become a professional wrestler. Or at least figure out where he fits in the industry. I think that's the healthy way to look at it. Figure out where he fits in the industry. Um, but yeah, man. We got his whole story on what brought him there, and then uh, and then we get into geeky wrestling fan talk. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on the podcast, my guest, the one and only, Jamie Kilstein. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Back on Not Sam Wrestling, a buddy of mine, a great comedian, and most importantly, a super wrestling fan. Jamie Kilstein, what's going on, man? Nothing. Everything I do is just to get me back to wrestling. Like, <laughs> even I had to do... A fucking I had to do comedy shows last week and I emailed myself. This is so dumb. I emailed myself, be excited about comedy shows because you can practice your wrestling persona. Like I picked I had them bring me up to like uh songs I would enter to to wrestle. Like I didn't care at all about comedy. I was just like, I'm practicing being a wrestler while I'm like headlining at this like very nice comedy club. So you're legitimately you're going to make a run for this. You're you're actually, because I talked to you last. I feel like, so like I observe you and, yeah. uh, you know, not only do we keep in touch, but just like, you know, on social media and everything. And sure. like, it does feel like even since we last talked, almost like every week, like your fandom of wrestling and your enthusiasm of wrestling, it grows, right? Like that's, yes. that's what I've noticed that like, and it's authentic, but it's like, it's this yes. growing thing. Like it feels like the more you allow yourself into the world of sports entertainment, the more you're like, this is my home and I need more. <laughs> and it, and it yeah. just feels like you're slowly inundating yourself yeah. with, with professional wrestling. Yeah, I feel like everybody who follows me on social media, I either get an email that's like, hey, are you going to kill yourself and are you okay is number one. Uh-huh. And then number two is what's going on with all the wrestling shit? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like uh, one or the other. And yeah, I mean, what it honestly is, dude, is it's always been there. Um, I've just stopped caring what other people think. And I don't remember how in depth we got into it. I know we talked about it on my podcast. We must have talked about it when I did when I was on your podcast. But I feel like when I came on yours, I was sort of like rediscovering 
my love of it. And I trained a little bit mm-hmm. um, with Kendrick and Santino Brothers in LA, but it was really, I was almost telling myself it was like a bucket list thing, you know? And yes. I never really tweeted about it or posted it um, just because out of the however many thousands of people follow me, I don't know, man, like a hundred of them are wrestling fans. And out of those hundred, 90 of them are professional wrestlers. And like 10 of them are just like fans who happen to watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And this year, I feel like the people who have thrived this year, because, you know, I was not in a good way in the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the people who thrived this year were the ones who were like, you know what? Sure, everything is trash, but how am I going to get through it? And for me, it was do all the shit you've always wanted to do because... You know, I, I I talked about this on my Instagram today, where it's there are so many people who aren't living the lives they want, who aren't doing the shit they want to do, and they still got fucking fired because of COVID or because of the economy or because of whatever. So I was kind of like, you know, what? I'm I'm just I'm done posting about what I think other people want or talking about politics because like that's what I used to do. And I'm like, if I confuse everybody every Monday night, every Wednesday night. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to find a new audience and and posting about wrestling and wrestling and going after wrestling and being involved and talking to wrestlers and listening to wrestling podcasts. Like, I finally was like, this is the thing since fucking childhood that made me happy. I just have always had that part of my brain that goes, not only that says, this is stupid. (laughs) What are you doing? You're five, seven and 38. But also the part of my brain that goes, hey, man, you're already a comedian. Like, you won. You dropped out of high school. You're doing a fun thing. Uh, you don't have to go overboard with wrestling. Um, but the bottom line is, like, comedy doesn't make me happy like wrestling. I, you, I, I mean, the last time I went to, like, the last wrestling show I went to before quarantine, O'Reilly got me into It was just a house show. It was just an NXT house show. And the feeling I get. Mm. When I see a wrestling ring, I have never walked into a comedy club and been like, ah, this two drink minimum is wistful <laughs> of nostalgia. Yeah, I'm just like, Fly, where do I sit in the back? And I'm in the shadows and I'm just kind of like begrudgingly waiting for my set. But there's something just about wrestling. And so it really was just, yeah, man, I finally like embraced it and stopped caring what other people think and just declared this is going to happen so what you're seeing is what's always been there i'm just being more open about it yeah i mean i also think that you start by following the things that make you feel good and that you're good at and generally speaking if they if you're good at them they make you feel good and vice versa like it's not like yeah and and you're not going to be good at every single element of it but you follow your passion right and you just and you're and you just surround yourself I should say, yeah. with the stuff that makes you feel good. And then the more intimately you get to know the world, the more you figure out where you fit into it. Yeah. And like, I don't want to sound too self-helpy yeah. off the top, but I will say to that point, when I, so, okay. So to give everybody kind of like the short backstory, which is, uh, yeah, I decided I was going to go down to train with, Thunder Rosa for a week for fun. We became friends over the internet. She saw my like jujitsu videos and she does MMA stuff. 
And she was like, just come down and train, dude. Just come down. She's training with Jazz and Rodney Mack. And she was like, just come hang with us. And I was like, all right. And then the next week I had DDP on my podcast and floated that I was thinking about wrestling or training. And DDP lit up. I like, mean, dude, just lit. if you're like, trying to get motivated to do something for yourself, <laughs> DDP is the guy to talk to. That's the guy. If you're yeah. just like, hey, I'm thinking about quitting drinking. You just see his face slowly <laughs> like light up and you open your email and you already have like a bunch of like yoga videos and shit. Yeah. And he was like, fuck yes, you can do it started texting me, gave me his number. And I went out with Thunder Rosa and dude, Thunder Rosa, Jazz and Rodney, they just started a wrestling school called Dogtown in uh, San Antonio. I've never been around more positive people in my life because mm -hmm. they just fucking love wrestling. Like, right. I didn't even know I was religious until the end of practice where we all held hands and said a prayer. And I was like, <laughs> yep, I guess I guess I uh, believe in God. Yep. Clearly, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was an atheist, but God was hiding in this wrestling gym. Yeah. I didn't know he was here the whole time. Dude, fucking Thunder Rosa was like, I wish I had a picture of you. She's like, you look like you were touched by God. Like my face must have just been pure bliss. And so then I was just like, I'm going to do it. So back to what I was going to say with the self-help thing. What's so wild is because I've always been all over the place. I've had like a love-hate relationship with comedy. I've quit. I've done the podcast, all this stuff. But what's so crazy is when I've laser focused on wrestling, everything's gotten better. The stand-up's gotten better. The podcasts have gotten better. I've been healthier. I've been training harder with jujitsu, like not just with wrestling. And I think it's just because I have a, a, a goal now. And I know exactly what it is. And I'm not giving up comedy and all that stuff. But everything I do is now, how will this make me a better wrestler? How will this, you know, whether it's on the writing side, the creative side, um, the physicality, health, whatever. Like, dude, this is the first time I've eaten healthy because I was just like, oh, they're all hot and in shape. So I can't. <laughs> I can't get away with not doing it. Yeah, especially if like, you're short, right? Like if you're short and out of shape, it's like, bro, like you don't have control over your height, but what are you done. doing? I, I know. I said that to DDP. He was like, he was like, bro, I'm only, you know, he was like, I was 35. And I was like, yeah, but you're like six foot three and wore leather pants and I'm five, seven and, and this, whatever this is. So yeah, I'm afraid of heights. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the top rope. I'm not going to be doing high flying stuff. I'm like, I can fight. And well, I'll tell you this, though, comic. the beauty of being 5'7", I don't remember, it might have been Pat McAfee. Somebody told me that the thing about going to the top rope that you don't understand until you get up there is that you look at the top rope and you go, that's not that high. It doesn't look high. And then you get up to the top rope and you realize that you got to add about six feet because right. from your foot, your foot is on right. the rope. So your whole height is added to where that top rope is, and that's where it gets high. But you're only 5'7", so that's a yeah. lot easier than being 7 feet tall if you're on the that's top good. rope, right? Yeah. No, that's a good point because I've only, like, sat up there. I feel like I jumped off the second rope once. But Dude, I was yeah, that's where you can just master, master that second rope Bret Hart elbow so you never that's have to go right. right to the top. Well, dude, you know what I'm actually doing? Not to, like uh, – I mean, what I'm actually doing is – if I made a list, and I feel like this is advice everybody, whether you want to do wrestling or not, uh -huh. but if I made a list of all the reasons I shouldn't do wrestling, which the majority of people, all we do every day is make a list of why we're garbage. We're mm -hmm. just like, this sucks. This is bad. This is why I can't do this. And, and I've, I've, done, I've, I've been there. I've done that so much. 
but you can like reverse engineer the list. So I, I think it was Mark Duplass, the filmmaker and actor who I heard talking about this on like Dak Shepard's podcast. And he said something about how restriction can breed creativity. So, you know, the Duplass brothers got their break. They were kind of saying no to agents because agents were kind of like dicking them around in LA and they were in Austin and they just kind of made their own films, got into Sundance, did everything themselves. And they said because they had like a low budget, because they couldn't do all these things, it made them better writers. It made them more creative with the writing. I feel like with me and with wrestling or with anybody listening to the show, you can you can change. Okay, so for example, so I'm older and smaller. Cool. I'm not going to be as athletic as everybody else, but I can study storytelling which all the old people who have podcasts seem very angry that there isn't as much storytelling. So I'm like, great, I can do that because like I'm a writer and I'm a comedian or I'm five, seven, I'm afraid of heights. Okay. Well, I've done Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu for 15 years. So I can study like all those old like Japanese matches and I can like have more of like that, like hard hitting uh, shoot style. Uh, I'm divorced and have depression and all of these things. Great. I'm just going to be happy to be there. I've lived life. <laughs> I've rock bottomed. I'm not going to be like, why aren't I in this match? Why aren't there? I'm just going to be so goddamn happy. Um, you can always turn those negatives. I mean, being afraid of heights, it's like, great. I need to like mat wrestle. I can figure out how to put all my jujitsu. Like, dude, there's so much that or actually could make me stand out more because I can't do you know, the crazy flippy high spots that everyone's doing. It's like, well, everyone's doing that. Or you tell people you're afraid of heights, right? You let the world know. Yeah. And then you go up to the top rope. I was thinking about this. And you can see if somebody's really afraid or if they're acting. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you could tell if somebody is really having a moment, that's yeah. when it really works. So the idea oh. that you, your fear of heights, you could just make it a thing. You can let Bro. people know. Yeah, like mid-match, looking like I'm going to go up to the second rope, not being able to do it. And the crowd's like, Ugh. then when I get up there, they'll, if I can make the crowd pop for the most basic of like, yeah, like mid rope elbow drops, yeah. that would be like, that's how you tell a you're fucking the, story. You're the Rudy of double ax handles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, it's forcing me to, and this also is why I realized how much I love it is I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I should study. Like I should study all, especially before oh, yeah. I get to Texas. So I've been studying all these like classics that I've never really studied before. And it is just not only am I learning, but it's also reinvigorating my love of wrestling. And then the more you love the thing, like you said, that you're going after the better you're going to get at it just because you're fucking happy. So yeah, I was actually just telling somebody today, like I'm at this place in my life that I love where like, you know, I, I'm doing a ton of work to get the show done for the WWE network. And then I'm also yeah. doing this podcast and then I'm also watching wrestling. So like I finally get some free time and I'm watching like YouTube videos and my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm watching the wrestling bios channel on YouTube. <laughs> like I'm just watching more wrestling stuff yeah. because like they, at no point in this whole process of talking about wrestling in my life, has it ever felt like, work or I need to take a break or I don't want to talk about this anymore because right. it's, you know, I love it so much. So, and, and I, and I didn't realize that by the way, because like with me, because I was like with comedy, 
being the tortured artist is kind of the vibe. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm miserable because I'm supposed to be miserable. And then suddenly once I did what you are describing and I'm just around wrestling, like the idea of sitting around watching stand up all day, I would fucking kill myself. Yeah, absolutely not. But now that I'm like, oh, wrestling's my job, the exact same thing happened. Where I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie tonight. And then I like slowly flip over to documentary. Like that's what I did last night. And it was fucking great. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I when I do those bits on the WWE Network where, you know, uh, this week I was talking about the Daniel Bryan story leading to WrestleMania 30. I'm not just yes. like going off the top of my head. I spend days leading to that going on the network and watching every yeah. segment and every match leading to it. So I walk, I yeah. go through every episode of Raw and look for luckily they label it like they chapter it. So I don't have to, you yeah. know, but like but I'm enjoying it so much. And like you remember Oh, my God. Like, I'm sitting there going, man, January 2014 was a rough time for WWE. But February and March of 2014 was awesome. Mm -hmm. And, like, you remember yeah. these little things that just it's so much fun. But yeah. So well, and, and, and just with you. Yeah. The cool thing with you is that, like, I'll, 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 I'll blow you up a little bit, which is I think the reason you've had so much success, because even when. You did my podcast. It must have been last year. And I was at your studio mm -hmm. and we were just talking about you're not giving a fuck and just obsessing over wrestling has led to you living the dream. You at no point were on the podcast being like, oh, I'm not going to be happy until I have a show on the network or I no. you just straight up followed. How can I talk about wrestling? How can I make a living doing the thing I love? And because of that and because you've, you, you know, ignoring all the bullshit you've gotten, like whatever. Uh, it led to bigger things. And if you weren't doing a show on the network and you were just talking about wrestling in your place, you'd be just as fucking happy. So like, that's what people don't understand is sometimes it really is as simple as just go balls out with the thing you love. Yeah. And figure out, you got to figure out how to make it work. You got to make a living. You know, I got a family. I can't like, yeah. you know, if I wasn't making a living, I can't ignore my family, just watch wrestling because it makes me happy. Like at some point, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to be a person. Let me, but let me rephrase that. What I mean is you weren't thinking about, you know, uh, it wasn't. I feel like so many times, at least with comedy, I mean, I'll get people writing me that are like, hey, I want to be a writer or I want to be a comedian. And they're like, how do I get paid before they've even gotten on stage? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. It's like, it's it's like no, you have to love it so much. That even if you had a day job, Sam, like you would still be watching wrestling. So I'd be watching. Your, yeah, you'd be a far worse husband and father, but yeah. you would be watching wrestling on that off time. And I, but I'd figure out how to do something that contributes to the household with it. You just, of I course. mean, that's what you do. You figure it out. Like you know, you just surround yourself with it, and then you start thinking creatively. How can I contribute to this world that will contribute back to me? Yeah. And 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 there you go. So are you totally. moving to Texas full time for wrestling school? Are you are you relocating? Yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. So, this is crazy, Jay. So, this is a crazy so thing he, you're doing. Here's the funniest part about it is so I'm moving to Austin. So I'm going to drive. What? Because I have a bit of a community. I have a bit of a community in Austin outside of wrestling. Okay. And then the wrestling school, Thunder Rosa and Jazz and them, Rodney are in San Antonio. So it'll be like an hour and a half drive, like probably four days a week. And then I'll be doing jujitsu and Muay Thai and stuff in Austin. And... Whenever I tell somebody, because the biggest story in comedy is Rogan. Sure. And so whenever I tell people <laughs> that I'm moving to Austin, they go, oh, that makes sense for the comedy scene for Rogan. And I go, who? No, no, no. I'm going for uh, independent 
now AEW star Thunder Rosa yeah. to train as a professional wrestler uh, at the age of 38. It has literally... Also, I forgot Rogan moved there. I mean, th- that'll be cool. It's great for the comedy scene. Um, but I'm like, no, I'm going to be wrestling. Every also, day. by the way, there's no wrestling shows right now. So that should also be <laughs> like, like we're in the middle of quarantine. So there's technically no wrestling shows right now. So hopefully by the time you're ready to be on a wrestling show, wrestling shows will be back. But in the meantime, you'll be ready. But that's great. Like for selfishly for me, because it's just less pressure Mm. it's just because again i mean and even ddp talked about this um when he was on my show where because i even started jujitsu kind of late like i did martial arts in high school and my early 20s but then when comedy took off i just started like smoking cigarettes again because i was like going out with stan hope and like you know i wanted to be fucking bill hicks and so i was a train wreck and then I really didn't go full time with jujitsu again until I was like 27. So even then, I was kind of the old guy. Sure. And what DDP said he did, which is kind of what I did in jujitsu, is I'm not going to be more athletic than you, but I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be a better learner. And so that's kind of where I'm at with wrestling, where I don't have that. You know, you watch the 20 year old blue belts, they get tapped out and they hit the mat. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to be the hit the mat guy. And again, especially with wrestling, I'm just going to be a, a fucking dork and just study it. So the fact that like there aren't shows right now, I'm like, great. I can lay in waiting and I can just work and work and study and study. So, yeah. So when there are, you know, and you, here we go. You're right. It's a lot less pressure because you don't feel like there's like a deadline that you're like, OK, I, there's a show this week. I have to get on the show this week. I have to hurry up and get the, like you can just spend the time. I'm not missing out. Learning. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that that is it's all about figuring out the advantages that you have in maturity would be the advantage that you would have um, over a, a, a virile young person. Do you have yeah. any specific goals in the training? Are there any goals that you want to hit or any marks that you go, okay, if this happens or if I get to this place after this amount of time, I'm going to call it quits or anything like that? Or are you just going in and seeing what happens? Yeah, so no. I mean, I'm going for it. And it's interesting because I joked about the Rogan thing, but I was getting a lot of anxiety about the move because I didn't have the balls to tell people that I was doing it for wrestling. So when I talked to my manager or agent or dad, I was like, you know, you don't want to tell your dad at 38, like, Hey, my backup plan for comedy is professional wrestling. You know, don't worry. Uh, So I, I was saying, you know, Rogan's down there. All the on it podcast guys are down there. And like, all that stuff is true, you know? Um, But I think because I wasn't being honest with myself, I started to be like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And what I just said, I'm going down for wrestling. Because even like Thunder Rosa and I made two comedy sketches Mm -hmm. and they were fucking great. And so even if I never make it to the WWE, to AEW, to whatever, being around creative people. I mean, man, I probably did say this on your podcast last time. And I was talking to Ron Funches when I did his podcast about our love of wrestling. And my biggest struggle has always been when I'm creative, when I'm doing, when I'm solely focused on comedy, that's when I'm like, I'm not that healthy. I kind of fall into that. Like I'm the degenerate artist, peer pressure bullshit, but I'm, I'm creating, I'm making stuff. I'm performing. 
when I go full into jujitsu or MMA, I'm healthy, I'm waking up early, I'm meditating, I'm eating well, um, I'm confident, but I'm not creating. So then I lose that. When I first walked into Brian Kendrick's class in Los Angeles, and I, you know, because I was always telling people if only I could find the middle ground. And suddenly it's just these hot jacked theater dorks. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is what I've been looking right. for. Right. I this think we did talk about that. Yeah. The middle ground. So I don't plan on failing, but even if I fail, I feel like having that as my community, just funny, fearless, healthy people, I can't really go wrong. I mean, um, I also think it's silly to. Like even say like, oh, I'm not planning on failing. It's like, what is failing? Like just going through the process is succeeding. Like there, I mean, yeah. like there is no, it sounds like Yoda, but there is no failing because like, like it would be very naive of you to sit there and go, well, if I don't make it onto television as a wrestler by a the time I'm 40, which by the way, you're 38 now, like, yeah, it was a total waste of my time and I'm going to quit and I'm a failure. Like that's. If yeah. you were going in with that attitude, I'd be like, Jamie, Dead. like we should probably talk offline because this is a terrible right. idea. <laughs> this, is, you, you, this is bad. You shouldn't do this. Yeah. I mean, just the, just the idea that you're like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to train and this is what I'm going to do right now. Like, it's going to make everything in my life better no matter what happens. Healthier, more creative, around supportive people and doing something I've literally dreamt of doing as a kid. I mean, I posted a clip the other day me and a local wrestler who started doing some like uh, he's doing that like primetime TV stuff. Uh, yeah. EJ Sparks, who's great. Um, he's in Tucson and we go to the same kickboxing gym and we started working little matches and he's been showing me stuff in a boxing ring while there were cardio kickboxing classes come up uh, going on. I watched that footage on my phone and I got like goosebumps when I did a thing right. Like that is enough for me right now. And so just being there, I win. I've already won. So, I honestly feel like, and the other thing I'm going to start doing is writing help for these like indie promos mm -hmm. or for these like indie organizations. Like, Hey, give me your shittiest characters. I will help. And I'm going to learn how to write and I'm going to help them with promos and I'm going to write storylines and stuff like that. If I keep doing it, I remember Henry Rollins told me this once. It's not really the most inspiring advice, but goddamn, it's so pragmatic. He's like, if you don't quit, and the Bucks told me this on my podcast. He's like, if you just do it, if you just fucking do it every day, uh, there's going to be a place for you. You know, if I'm like, I, yeah, I have to be the world champion by 41. All right. Well, that's a little terrible news. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah uh, I don't. I don't mean to. I'm not a negative person. But, but again, no, we will talk offline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> but but the idea that I won't at least have part of my full time job, writing, wrestling, indie organizations, bigger indie organizations being I mean, it's going to happen um, as long as I do the things that I say I'm going to do, which is train hard, study hard, treated like a real fucking job. But most importantly, be happy doing it and be humble doing it and be fucking patient. And so I'm going to do it until the wheels fall off. Like there's no reason not to, it ties into every other facet of my life from comedy to jujitsu, to kickboxing to, you know, except it actually makes me happy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no like deadline to when I'm going to stop. There I'm should, just gonna, yeah. I am going to, my, 
what I can say for sure is I'm going to be around wrestling for the rest of my life. I just don't know how, in what capacity. Is there anybody that you watch now that either motivated this decision to move further or that you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I, that's more specifically what I want to be doing. You know, it's interesting. I've been going back. So there are definitely guys that I watch that I go, Ooh, this is interesting. Um, like personality wise, I, no one pops me more. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. I mean, just incredible because they're also, they're being themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Which I think that in comedy, they always say like, it takes eight years to find your voice. And that sounds like such an insane thing. Cause you go, well, I know my voice. I am me. But then you get on stage for the first time and you're just like, what is happening? You're like, you're talking like a caricature of a comedian, you know, like if Michelle Obama went up at like the fucking improv, she'd be like, oh, so I'm, I'm fucking Barack in the ass. You'd be like, what, what? is happening? You're like, you're talking like you think a comedian sounds of course. So like you're dirtier, you're, you know, whatever it is. And so those people like in wrestling who just, it's just so clearly them and their personality. And it's just, maybe it's a little more over the top. Those guys I really look up to um, wrestling wise. Like I loved uh, uh, FTR and AEW are like incredible, like the storytelling, the basics. And then I've just been going back and watching like old Shawn Michaels and watching old Bret Hart and like the guys I grew up on. And I mean, even Austin and watching these guys and just being like, they're, they're so good at what they do. It's like that Bruce Lee, um, I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks. I, I fear the man who does practices like the same kick 10,000 times. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that all goes watch. back, by the way, like 10,000 kicks, finding your voice after eight years like that. Oh, that's all the 10,000 hours rule of being an expert. You know, that's that Malcolm yeah. Gladwell, you know, you have to do it for 10,000 hours before you're an expert. What have yeah. you been, what do you, what have you been going back specifically? Like what shows and what matches have you been going back and watching on the network that's got you all jazzed up? Oh my God. Um, I've been watching a lot of Sean. I mean, Sean was my favorite growing up. Whoa. Oh, you know who I want? By the way, Sean Michaels just... is the greatest of all time. So that would probably be a good, good one to yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This little up and comer, <laughs> uh, Sean Michaels. Yeah. Um, but like, man, when I rewatched, I think the match that made me go like all in, mm-hmm. um, was when I re rewatched the Sean Taker Hell in a Cell match from Bad Blood, I, just bananas. Yeah, just and you know I know you you rewatched it like because of the Kane stuff and like plus yeah. like I probably watched that match every like three months anyway. So like <laughs> it was just bonkers. But like I haven't gone back and really studied Brett since I was like Brett's a genius, dude. And like I just forgot you, what I have on deck that I haven't watched since I was a kid. Uh-huh is the Austin Brett match, the I quit match. Oh, I haven't watched. It's a, it's a clinic. It's a class. Like that's like, yeah. not only I'll tell you, it's a class and there it's not only just in a match in wrestling, it's in character work, not just because of the double turn, which is so yeah. difficult to do, especially with established characters like Austin and even more so Brett. Brett was the baby face's baby face. Right. So the fact that that double turn happened, but also you get to know who you can understand who these characters are if you've never seen them before 
just through watching that match. And a really important thing to keep in mind is Austin doesn't do submissions like as a wrestler, like he's not right. a submission guy and it's a submission match. So it's right. like, how does this guy who is not, he's never, he's not the world champion Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, best to ever do it yet. Right. He's not on, he's getting, the, he's not on that level yet. you like, you know, there's something there, but he's not quite, he's not, he's not that yet. Yeah. And, 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 and watching this, you're like, not only do you see, oh my God, this is why Stone Cold is the future of, this is why Stone Cold is going to change the business forever. But you go, oh, this is why Brett is on the level that Brett's on. It's just, it's unbelievable. Dude, I just watched, I've been watching a ton of interviews as well, like yeah. shoot interviews and stuff. And I just watched, uh. I think it was, I have this like new obsession with fucking Eddie Kingston. And he was talking about how whenever someone comes over, he shows them the stone cold interview, the ECW one mm -hmm. where he just goes off mm -hmm. uh, when like, he's like, no one's going to stop me. Yeah. And I'd never, I'd never seen that before. All the superstar I, Steve Austin, ECW stuff when he's doing like Steve a mania. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like and, I used to and go he's to doing, and the, and the, the Monday NyQuil promo where he's got the Eric Bischoff <laughs> yeah. wig on and he's like, welcome to Monday NyQuil. And he's just out of his mind because he's finally he's finally free from WCW and he can just get everything off his chest. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't remember that. I mean, I was an ECW guy. I, w I lived on the East Coast. I would go to the ECW shows and I just like do not remember any of the Austin stuff. I'm watching that promo. And I mean, I mean look at what's happening now with Heyman and, and Roman Reigns. And like, there's so much, Oh, when you just like, there are certain people when you just let them go. And I feel like that was kind of the beginning of Austin, right? Mm -hmm. Just like definitely was, go. definitely was. And then it's, 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 you just have fucking magic. I mean, even another person I've been loving recently is Gargano on NXT. Yeah. Yep. Cause it feels like his heel work. He is so funny. Because, yeah, because he's never, uh, like, he's always been this amazing wrestler, but yeah. such a good guy that the side of him that is able to entertain that hasn't really come out until now. And you're sitting there going, like, oh, my God. Like, I, I thought that what he had to contribute to wrestling was, was wrestling. It was wrestling, was the matches, the, the, the Ciampa series of takeover matches. I was like, that's yes. the legacy. But then you're like, I'm, I'm almost as happy just watching him and Candice cut promos in their house. I mean, these, these are brilliant. Just like an angry suburban father. It is yeah, yeah. fucking incredible. And then on commentary on Monday, he's so funny he's, and he's quick. Yeah. Like when, uh, uh, when he was marching to the ring, uh, uh, last week and Kevin Owens, you know, he made some, like, is this punked reference, like some dated and Kevin Owens was like, Oh, that was really topical. And Gargano right away just goes, thank you. Like very like, <laughs> like earnestly. He really appreciates that. So good. And actually I feel the same way about AJ Styles right now. We're obviously like, I've been a huge fan of AJ's wrestling forever. Um, but when he was a baby face, it was kind of like, all right, yeah, he's just the good guy and everyone likes him and then he has good wrestling matches. And if he doesn't have a good wrestling match, that's kind of it. He is goddamn hysterical as a heel. He's great. I love when he found out that uh, uh, almost could speak English and he had no idea. I thought that was brilliant. But oh, you can... Or when he found out that he... 
that almost had a relationship with Riddle. And <laughs> yeah, that, like, they like, talked I think he's before. Funny. <laughs> yeah, just disgusted. But uh, so furious. There's yeah. really good on that same level. I think it's. I want to say it's like from twenty, maybe twenty. Maybe probably not as far back as twenty sixteen. Maybe it's twenty eighteen. I don't know. It was whenever his rivalry with John Cena was the beat up John Cena uh, era of AJ Styles. Because not only was he okay. having uh, great matches with John Cena, like whatever that year was, maybe it was SummerSlam 2018. There's a SummerSlam match between John Cena and AJ Styles that's like outrageous. Um, well, I know you You always ask guests, oh, also when he's authentically funny or when he's off being like himself is fucking Corbin. Like I know Corbin's you, awesome. You, you, dude, when uh, for some reason... The Mysterials all were horrible people last week during the Corbin uh, Buddy Murphy match. You see that I had to and tweet Charles Robinson about what a terrible referee he was. It was <laughs> I was livid. Like I've been watching wrestling for over thirty years, and I'm sitting there, and it was a great episode of SmackDown. The ending was outrageous with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns and everything. Perfect. Livid on my Love couch, going like, would these Mysterios mind their own business? And like all yes. I, I like, I'm like, look, like Corbin needs to come back and do something so horrifically, inhumanly violent to the yes. entire Mysterio family to the point where yep. you're like, how could a human being do this? And I'm going to sit there and say the Mysterios and Charles Robinson, by the way, drove yep. Baron Corbin to do this. It's their fault. There was a point. Where and especially what makes it even more insane is there wasn't a feud with Baron Corbin before this. Baron Corbin did not do anything to the Mysterios. No, it he kind of like he kind of made fun of him a little bit. A little bit. He kind of made fun of him a little bit. But you're torturing him. And there was there was a point. I don't know, man. Like the fifth or sixth interference where Baron Corbin did something just like, what's happening? Or like, why are you doing this? And he was just, it, I mean, he looked like a fucking baby face. And it was so hysterical that, yeah, you're right. He has to, he has to torture them. Like uh, do forever. something like but, really like, bad, like, like break mm -hmm. bones. Um, What did you say? I'm so sorry. I went off on the Corbin thing. Uh, never be sorry for like going off on something. Never oh, AJ. Oh yeah. Yeah. AJ. But by the way, on this, so, on this podcast, Never be sorry about going off on a Baron Corbin rant. This is the one podcast, the one wrestling podcast in existence that will sit here. We'll turn it into a Baron Corbin fanboy podcast. I am Great. a Baron Corbin fan, period. I am such a fan of Baron Corbin. I feel like we should just talk about Baron Corbin and Lana. I Lana's really, great. <laughs> I, I know. I was like. But what, uh, what were you going to say about AJ? We're going to get off track again. What were you going to say about AJ? I was talking about AJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say I literally had a tweet with zero likes when they asked who they wanted to headline when the WWE account was like, who should be headlining WrestleMania? And I was like, Lana and Nia <laughs> and Lana wins the belt. Um, uh, yeah. So the you always ask people on this show because you brought up Cena and AJ, the the era that they did not watch. And yeah, I, yeah, actually, I love that mine question. was the the Cena one. I I, huh. I missed all of that. So Cena, Batista, the only match I watched from that era, which I watched recently, was Punk uh Cena because Money in the Bank. Punk Cena. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I yeah. All of that. I gotta I, I gotta kinda learn like what are the good things to go back and watch because yeah, I totally missed all of that. My I, mean, I just watched the WCW 
I just watched that crazy ass Survivor Series match for the first time about like, you know, will WWE be out of business? Will Austin turn? Oh, the Alliance era? Yeah, with like Angle, Rock, all of that. Like I never seen that match before. Yeah, I would Cena. First of all, Cena's worth studying. And I think that you're going to find that as the years progress, respect for Cena, and you'll remember this conversation because you remember things like this, but like respect for Cena is going to grow and grow and grow. And like there already is. Do this... people hit on him just because it's like the cool thing to do? Because well, I, I just assumed I wouldn't like him. Well, no, I mean, look, he was very, he was almost Hogan-esque in the sense that he was like a, kind of goody gumdrops superhero type who like just yeah. worked hard and got it done. And people were like, like there was so there wasn't a lot of edge to him. I mean, when, whenever John would show edge. Yeah. People would lose their minds for it. Like the stuff he did with the rock, people would lose their minds for it. If you're going to watch. Oh, cool. And I think that like at the time people didn't realize how consistently good John Cena was. They didn't realize how much consistent star power that he maintained being a star on the level that he maintained for 10 years, which is insane and totally unheard of. Nobody's ever had a run as long and as consistent as John Cena. And I mean, he did so much. And like, what drives me crazy, and one day, like, I want to interview John Cena to talk to him about this because he, when you think about John Cena, like you think about this guy who, "Ah, I spent 10 years in the main event and blah, blah, blah. and, And you're like, well, no, because he goes and he and he did a lot of main events throughout WrestleManias, right? And he's like WrestleMania 21 is his first main event with JBL, and he goes through and he's and he's got his triple threat at, at 24, I think. It didn't close the show because Edge and Undertaker closed the show, but it goes up to 28, and he's got his once in a lifetime match with The Rock, and the build for that match is outrageous. Then it goes to well, first of all, it goes to 27, right? 27. He lost to the Miz mm. in the main event of WrestleMania 27. Like I, Hogan never had to do that. You never, you were never gonna tell Hogan that we've got this like weaselly heel and right. we're gonna bring back a legend to get the big applause at the end of the show and you're gonna lose to him. Like that's what people don't understand. Like the level of, like John Cena doesn't want on a real level. He doesn't want to lose to the Miz and have the rock at the applause break at the end of WrestleMania. He's like I've been busting my ass all year. I right. want to hold the title up and have a stadium full of people cheering for me and be the man cuz that's what I've been working towards. But oh, it's not going to happen this year, John. And then a year later, it's WrestleMania again and he's got this fabulous build with the rock. And he loses again at WrestleMania 28. And you're like, "Oh my god." And he's got to like, okay, pick himself up by his bootstraps. And then by the next night, The Rock is gone. And he's got to convince the audience that he's still the star that, you know, they think he is. WrestleMania 29, he's got his his second match with The Rock, finally beats him. And that's the last time John Cena's in the main event to WrestleMania. WrestleMania 29. I mean, WrestleMania 30, 31, like all these other matches... He's on WrestleMania, but WrestleMania 30, he was with Bray Wyatt. WrestleMania 31, he's with Rusev, you know, and it goes and it goes on from there. But like the idea that John Cena didn't get a WrestleMania main event after 29 is crazy to me because he was just around so much and so consistent. But back to the original point. Yes. If you're going to go into the John Cena playbook and study, I would say the buildup 
to the first match with The Rock is incredible. Incredible. Cool. Like the last couple of months, because it's a year build. I mean, they announced it a year in advance, but really the last couple months where they're going promo for promo. And there's the, if you like real stuff, there's this real moment where like two weeks or something before WrestleMania, The Rock is in the ring and The Rock, this whole build towards WrestleMania goes really hard at John, like on a real life level. Like is, is, yeah. it's the type of thing where, and, and, and you realize that on a certain level, The Rock knows that he's performing at such a level that if you can't meet him there, then he's, he doesn't want to be there. So he's going to try to humiliate you and it's up to you to step up, to step. Yes. To step up and get on his level. So mm. he's going after Cena hard. What a nightmare. <laughs> and there's this one moment and John Cena's talked about it before where the rock is in the ring and he's got his promo written on his arm and you can kind of okay. see it. And like, it's the rock. Like you got your promo on your arm. Like, yeah. What do you do? So Cena goes out there and off the cuff, he goes, you got your promo mm. written on your arm. And you see, dude, you've got to go back and watch this because you see The Rock's Holy face change. Shit. You see his face change. My heart just stopped. Yeah. And he's like, what did you just, like, he's <laughs> like, do you know who I am? Like, do you, I'm, I'm movie star. I'm Dwayne Johnson. Okay. Like, what are you doing to me on live television right now? And Cena's just looking oh right God. at him going, yeah, I said it. I can see it. And so can they. And it's like, okay, this is for real, for real. Holy fuck. And so that whole that whole promo buildup towards WrestleMania 28 is awesome yeah. with The Rock. But I, my favorite John Cena rivalry, promos, matches, everything, is Cena versus Edge. I love, love. I'm a huge Edge fan, so yeah. I would be all over that. And it's rated our superstar Edge, and it's this like, like Edge had to work so hard and he had been around for years and he had gone through the attitude era and he had clawed. Well, that was my, uh, yeah, my, my edge, uh, uh, childhood and nostalgia is all the tag stuff with the Dudleys and with the Hardys. Right. And right. So, so I, I came up on the brood on edge and Christian. Yeah. And so I, I, I didn't really see a ton of his solo stuff until, you know, he came back at the rumble, but yeah. So, so yeah. So you've got, you've got all that history, right? You started the attitude era. And the TLC stuff and the Hardy stuff and the Dudley stuff. And then he goes solo and he's part of the SmackDown six where he's on SmackDown, like just as the attitude era is ending. And he's just starting to build this name for himself where people are really paying attention to him as a single star. And then he turns heel, he becomes the rated R superstar and he does like the best work of his career. I mean, I, yeah. I love rated R superstar edge, but I would much rather study uh, him versus Cena than go back on the ladder matches. Cause again, afraid of heights and Cena does not look like he flies off the top rope a lot. Well, there's a TLC match between mm -hmm. John Cena and edge. Oh my God. Where edge takes an attitude adjustment off the top of the ladder Jesus through a table. Christ. It's like the most insane thing, but yeah, the Ed because Edge has all this history and he like works out, and so there's this like undertone of man, I went through the attitude era and then I went through the post attitude era and I finally yeah. got to this place. Yes. And then you just strolled up. You just cool. strolled up, John Cena, and now you're the guy. And it's it. like, and you've got, you know, and he's the rated R superstar, and John Cena is the face of this new TVPG era. And yeah, it's awesome. It's 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 such a it's such a great counter 
balance of, of, of characters and of talent and the matches are good and Edge is at his peak and John Cena is just becoming the superstar that he's going to become. Okay. Yeah, Edge versus yeah, Cena I'm, is a good, good rivalry. I'm going to go back. I feel like, the, I don't know if there's a rivalries. I just started diving into that rivalry show on the network, which is so cool because it literally lays out the stories, you know? There's a, there's a, there's a untold, the, the untold series. Yes. There's okay. a documentary That's, about John Cena and Edge, which is, they do a okay, real good cool. job of, of, of laying it out. But, you know, my album like, comes out literally tomorrow and I should be promoing that. And literally I'm just going to be doing this. Yeah. This is what you do. You watch the documentary. Yep. And then you figure out what the dates are. And then you got to go back and watch every match and every segment. I, I mean, gonna... that's the, that's the, what I do. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah. I have to call my manager. I mean, this is why, again, this is my goal every day, a little less comedy, a little more wrestling, and then I'll be happy. Yeah. And there's comedy in wrestling, but you're right. You have an album coming out, Jamie. What are we doing here? What, let, uh, let, let, let's tell people. You know, I don't know, guys. Just get the album on Spotify. You won't have to pay for it. Let it get to number one, so that all these wrestling people are like, "Oh, who's this Killstein guy?" Then they go to my Twitter. <laughs> they see all I'm posting about is fucking wrestling. They're like, "We well, should get this guy in the writers' room." And then that's it. It's all a fucking facade. This album should just be called "I Want to Be a Wrestler." Like, yeah, it, you stream. That's what it is. If you stream the album, and you could really, I mean, you could technically, you could push play on the album and go to sleep as long as the stream is happening, as long as the numbers could, are building. You could turn the volume down and then you could go watch fucking Cena Edge Untold, which is what I'm going to do. Right. Or and then you're watch the supporting. matches. Don't just watch the documentary. Don't just get the stuff. Watch because you got to watch the whole match. You got to get the entire, yeah. entire, entire context. You can't just retell yes. somebody else's telling of the story. Look, if you guys want me, don't you guys want another person? Here's what me and Sam have in common. Right. When it comes to wrestling. And we both probably get shit for it. I know you get shit for it. I don't get it. Is we just want it to be good. And we just want to enjoy it all the time. I don't understand people who watch wrestling three nights a week and hate it three nights a week. It's like, guys, go out and do something else. Yeah, don't watch it. Like, it's awesome. You're, like, tor you're torturing yourself. Yeah, you sound like, like you sound like Jamie Kilstein watching stand-up comedy right now. <laughs> go find your next thing. <laughs> it's not fun. Um, I have problems that I see, but I, I still don't understand the draft. I feel like it fucks up Survivor Series every year, especially watching the old Survivor Series and watching War Games. The way they built to the War Games teams Reminded me of the old school Survivor Series, a mystery team partner, like people getting jumped, like surprise run-ins. Like, that's what I used to love about Survivor Series so much. Um, and so I'm so excited. I guess War Games will be already have happened. But, like, the build-up to it I thought was so cool. Um, but don't you want someone else involved in wrestling who just loves it and isn't going to completely take a dump on it every fucking week? <laughs> and you, what I love about you is if you, you have a problem with something – you will be like, here's what I would do. And then I get really excited about Sam's version. And then by the time I'm disappointed, I forgot about Sam's version. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it, almost, it was fun while it lasted. It's almost like a challenge. Like, okay, I get it. This isn't ideal. Here's where we can go from here. And yeah, and like yes. you, you figure out how to back out of this corner that you've backed yourself into. Well, and your Lana story. I mean, I think people need to hear that stuff sometimes because like when you ran through what you wanted to happen with Lana like I got legitimately excited and then it made me watch it with a less I don't want to say critical because like critical is good 
but a less uh, cynical, uh, pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you go, oh fuck, right? You can do this. Everybody forgot about Lana thing, like blah blah blah. And now the tables, like there was just a, a, a it, it made the story more dynamic. I'm gonna tell good. you right now, I was more disappointed that Lana's table smashing streak got broken than I was that the Undertaker streak got broken. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lana Lana's tables are now nine and like two on Raw, and I'm pretty bummed yeah. about it. I want her to go go through tables again. I thought it was great. Dude, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, well, what's the yeah, name, so what's I, the name of the album so people can find it and people can stream it? Yes. So the name of the album it's uh twenty five percent capacity. We it was written and recorded uh during the pandemic, during quarantine. It was at this like shady warehouse in Colorado because a lot of venues weren't opened. And like I had club dates. I had a couple club dates this year, but I, I kind of purposefully wanted to record it so it like sounded like two thousand twenty. I feel like if somebody put out like an old special right now from a theater, it just yeah. wouldn't ring like, as true yeah, whereas happen. dude the place i recorded it was so shady and i think i even pointed it out on the album where i met these two kids who like road tripped up for to see it and uh their uber driver didn't want to drop them off because they were like this is not safe like this <laughs> clearly cannot be the right address it was literally in like an unmarked warehouse and yeah the album's just about like loneliness and fucking COVID and doing mushrooms and figuring shit out. And I think it's really fun. I think it's the funniest album I've put out period. Um, I'm really proud of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it sums up 2020 nicely and yeah. So it would have just come out when this album or sorry, when this releases. So yeah. if you listen to it now, it'll help get it to number one. If it gets to number one, then fucking wrestlers see it. And that's all I want. Get Jamie Kilstein's album, 25% capacity. To number one on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get stuff, because that way he can be the next twenty four seven champion. This is all I want. I want That's to be it. jumping out of pianos with all those little guys. They're yeah. tiny. Uh, oh, also Baron Corbin started following me on Twitter, so That's it's sick. happening, guys. That's it's sick. all coming together. That's a great follow. It's, it's a great, great follow. follow. I'm convinced he did it accidentally. Maybe, but I'm rolling with still it. Still counts. It still counts. Still counts. And they don't That's notify it. you if you get an unfollow, so don't even check. I'm not going to. I'm never going to his page again. <laughs> Jamie Kilstein, thanks, man. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.